Amen. All right, as, as we're getting ready to get started, let me just take a minute just to share something really briefly. Um, now, many of you, but not all of you will know that when Pastor E, myself, and Pastor P planted the church in 2003, hey, wow, long time ago, um, <clears throat> it's been an incredible journey since that time. And one of the things we realized quite recently, I say quite recently, um, probably the end of last year, at least for me, <laughs> um, was <clears throat> in light of the fact that we've been um, pretty much bivocational for most of, most of that time, if not all of that time, which means we've been working and doing the ministry. You know what I'm saying? Thankfully, last September, we, we came to an incredible place, which meant that past, well, one of us was able to go full-time in the ministry, salaried, um, that being Pastor E, which is just incredible for us. You know what I'm saying? It's groundbreaking for us. You'd be like, what? Really? It took you all them years for that to happen? Yeah, it did. <laughs> and um, praise the Lord that we've arrived at this point now. And, and what happened was in September, <clears throat> whereas both of us were working part-time for LCM, I went full-time at LCM. And so since last September, I've been working full-time in it. And it got to about Christmas, and I was like, bro, this is to Pastor E, you know, like, bro. I'm feeling it like the pressures are on, you know what I'm saying, at school. And then what happened was we also have started a new second year foundation course that we got to write virtually, I say, the whole curriculum for, at least my contribution to the curriculum, whole next curriculum. Bro, we're starting foundation course year two, you know what I mean? Ali knows because he did um, foundation course year one a few years back. And, um, and, 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 and what we'd done is we'd already committed, I had already committed to doing the Bible overview for like 14, 16 weeks, whatever it was, come January. So it was like, all right, I was like, Pastor E, I'm going to do my commitment by God's grace. And then when I get to the end of it, I'm going to take a break. You know what I'm saying? And we had an elders meeting and, and, and Missy, who's Pastor Bertram's good wife, mentioned, you know, maybe what, what we need to begin to think about is for you guys as pastors, as leaders, as elders to begin to take leave, periods of leave. And so <sighs> we'd already begun to talk about it at the beginning of the year and um, albeit maybe not so much with a wider church, um, but literally we've come to a point where I'm actually going to be taking a break. So this Sunday is going to be my last Sunday teaching for quite some time. Now you'd be, you'd be like, oh no, or you'd be like, praise the Lord. I'm not sure, but you know what I mean? <laughs> Amen, my brother. Thank you. The Bible says, God resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble. Thank you for humbling me there, brother. I could look forward to God's grace and mercy in my life. So, amen, amen, brother. So, and, and it's going to give me an opportunity to, to be able to do um, stuff at LCM with a bit more um, license, you know what I'm saying, and time and space, which is a blessing because um, things are really ramping up at LCM. But then also it's going to give me an opportunity to think and to pray and even to plan more specifically toward future ministry in Jamaica, you know what I'm saying, and what that might mean. So I do ask that you pray for me during this time, and even the, obviously the rest of the leadership team, as they bear the, the, the burden of kind of the weight of ministry. And I suppose over the course of the next couple of weeks, we'll talk a little bit more about that. 
nonetheless, um, welcome today. Um, I'd like to take an opportunity to talk about the progress of the pilgrim. Now, if any of you know, um, like my MC name back in the day, I look around the room, I see a couple MCs still. Um, my MC name back in the day when me and Pastor used to rap together was the pilgrim. Actually, it was Rob Rhyme, the pilgrim. And um, Pastor E's name was, was E minor, the, a.k.a. the stranger. So if you like, it, you know what I'm saying, pilgrim, stranger. And how many of you know the Bible calls us to be pilgrims and strangers or sojourners as we traverse this challenging life, particularly when we become Christians? Um, although Christians are not the only ones who struggle with the difficulties and the challenges of life. Um, and <clears throat> but, but because we are Christians, because as Christians we are pilgrims and, and strangers or sojourners, um, it's good for us to appreciate that journey. It's good for us to appreciate that we are moving from one point to another, and one of the things we get to enjoy is God's protection, and I'm saying, as his people. Now, I think I'd like to talk more about the progress of the pilgrim. Probably that would be kind of like a title and there'd be lots of other messages. But I suppose this is kind of one to get us started. God's protection, and you probably won't be hearing it from, from me at least for a while, but if we ever do get back to it. God's protection of his people. Um, how many of you know that the world is a dangerous place? It's a dangerous place. And... Um, it's funny because some of you know recently I was in Jamaica and just a couple of weeks back. And Kingston used to be in the top three of the top murder capitals in the world. Kingston, the capital of Jamaica. Um, <clears throat> but, but, but it's funny because traveling to Kingston used to always be a scary thing for me back in the day. Even though back in 76 I actually lived in Kingston for a little while. A couple of years I went to primary school. Um, but over the past few years, things have changed in Jamaica. Where Kingston used to be a really terrible, rough, rugged place to be, um, you've got people in Kingston now saying, mm -mm, have you heard about what's going on in Montego Bay, which is another um, major city, the second largest city in Jamaica, because there's just been a lot of crime taking place and so on. But now Jamaica is number 33 on the, uh, sorry, Kingston is number 33 in terms of the murder capitals in the world, which is a great blessing. And I'm saying as you continue to pray for Jamaica. Um, I, I don't know if you know what's, what's the number one capital murder city in the world. <laughs> it's, it, it used to be Cape Town. In jo um, Cape Town, is that Johannesburg or at least in South Africa, right? Uh, no, don't even factor. All of them are pretty much in the same continent. Here they are. Number four is Acapulco in Mexico. Number three, San Salvador in El Salvador. Then it's San Pedro, Honduras. And number one murder capital is Caracas in Venezuela, all in South America, if, I, if my geography ain't amiss. And then in the brackets, you can see where they were placed last year. And I'm saying, if I had a bucket list, these wouldn't be on it. <laughs> Incidentally, just this morning, um, I don't know if you get, you, you know, you get stuff flash up on your phone and that. So I got this flash up on my phone and it come obviously on my, like my screensaver. And I'm not going to talk about who's in the background there. I won't hook no one up. But um, can you see 
possibly from a distance you can't, but it says um, North Korea says it has successfully tested nuclear weapons that can be loaded onto a missile. We know they've been trying and testing and blah, blah, blah. Now, how, how, how much of that is true and how much of that we need to be scared of or worried about, I'm not sure, but we're aware that stuff's going on in North Korea that and, and, and America in terms of just the back and forth between Mr. Trump and the other Chinese brother, or the Korean brother. Um, it's like, it's like, there's, it's, it's, it's like we're living in a crazy world. And, and it's funny because even right here in London, London is becoming increasingly dangerous. And I'm saying like people, like, obviously people getting stabbed, particularly young people, particularly young black people. And then the whole thing about terrorists getting vehicles and driving people over. Like we live in, in a crazy world. And apart from the violence, right, we have dangers like sickness, like cancer. I've got a friend, very close friend of mine. Some of you guys know Carl Neald, who's at Docklands. He contracted cancer. And um, thankfully, after chemo, radiotherapy, etc., massive change in diet, um, thankfully, he's, he got through his, his cancer treatment and he's clear at, at the moment. But he said to me, Rob, he said, cancer's one in two. He says he's got a little running joke. He says to people, be careful how you stand beside, beside me. Um, only because I'm the one in the two, you know what I'm saying, that has, that has contracted cancer. But those statistics are scary. You know what I mean? Um, heart disease, obesity, um, Drugs and alcoholism. I always wonder why they always separate the two, drugs and alcoholism. Isn't alcohol a drug? I don't know. But increasingly becoming an, a serious issue, and I'm saying, um, in our society. Racism, nationally, in this country, in, across Europe, the whole drama with the right, the far right, and obviously um, Islamic fundamentalists, um, but also beyond internationally. Like, and then... Apart from sickness, drugs, racism, arguably, if we have the spiritual war that rages invisibly. Mr. Carnegie helped us to think about that last week. Pilgrim's progress. God's protection of his people as they journey through life. Let me take an opportunity to pray. Father, thank you for all that this psalm communicates and for the comfort that it brings to your people as we traverse, Lord, through this difficult, challenging environment, naturally and spiritually. And thank you for your faithfulness, for keeping your people in the past historically. And thank you that you'd be faithful to keep your people in the future. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Now, I'd like to, check, uh, like to share this thought through this psalm. Hopefully you've turned there um, in your electronic device or otherwise, to Psalm 121. I'm going to ask that you have the text in front of you, please, if you can. I'm going to be reading from the ESV. Um, and so, as you turn in there, look, how many of you know there are loads of popular psalms, right? Um, throw out some popular psalms for me. I know what's going to be number one. Come on now, don't let me down. 23rd Psalm, amen. Um, all right, what's, the, what's the first line of that, that psalm, that song? The Lord is my shepherd, right? You hear, as soon as you hear that, you're like, boom, Psalm 23. Yes. Hey. Okay, how about another one? Give me another one. Psalm 1. Yo, you read my notes, Harry. Hey. I know you're, spirit, you're heavy like that. You're spiritual like that still. <laughs> Psalm 1. 
All right, can you give me, all right, can, I don't mean to expose you, but can you give me the first line of that song? Blessed is the man who walks not after the counsel of the old woman, who walks not after the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the, in the, seat, stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the Lord, the Lord. And that man shall be like a what? A tree planted by the rivers of water, and, it will bring forth his, and she will bring forth their fruit in their season, and their leaves will not wither, and everything they put their hand to will prosper. Jeez. But the wicked are not so. And it goes on, right, that psalm. Psalm 1. Heavy. All right. How about Psalm 127? Anybody know that one? As soon as I sing the first line, we're going to break out in song. Watch. The Lord is my light and salvation. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I be? Jeez. All right. We're going to come back to that one. Psalm 119. Anybody know that one? Yeah, don't try and quote that one. Yo, that's the, that's the longest psalm in the Bible. It's like 150 verses. Judith, 127 is long. A lie. Oh. Amen. <laughs> so which one is that? Which one is that? Which one did I just quote? The Lord is my light, my salvation. What's that? Nasa. It's the same it's the same psalm. It's the one twenty seven. Alright. It is oh it's the first okay, the first, we're talking about the first line. It's not the first line, you're right. Amen. Psalm twenty seven. Come on now. Come on now. Alright, how about how about the how about the last psalm in the Bible? That's a well known one. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is with... All right, Psalm 150. Now, I'm not going to be talking about any of those Psalms. Not directly. I might refer to some of them. Psalm 121. All right, let's read it. Verse 1 to verse 8. It says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? If, I don't know if any of you ever learned this in King James, but I can't help but hear it in the King James. I lift up my, mine eyes to the hills. From whence cometh my... All right then. Verse 2. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The Lord shall not strike you by day. Sorry, the sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth. And how long for? Forevermore. Often the Psalms are written in the first person. Speaking of oneself, that is the writer, okay? Like we said, the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, right? First person. Psalm 22, which is the psalm before Psalm 23, says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? You hear the first person singular. One, Psalm 23 is a declaration of faith. The Lord is my shepherd. Hey. One is a prayer. My God, my God. 
You see that? But then you have psalms that are not a declaration or a prayer, but they're reflective. And you see this internal dialogue going on. It's, it's not something I want you to hear, like a declaration. And it's not something I want God to hear, like a prayer. It's something I want me to hear. Like, why are you cast down, O my soul? Put your hope in God. Psalm 42. And also in Psalm 43. Psalm 43 verse 5 says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? You ever been in that place? I'm going to come back to that in a minute. Hope in God. That's the response. For I shall again praise him. Now who's speaking to who here? That's the person speaking to themselves, right? I was driving my car this week, and um, man, I've been having some car drama. Where's my son? Oh, Lord Jesus, Jordan. <laughs> drama, car drama. Anyway, I was, I was dri- when the car was working, I was driving, driving the car this week, and I saw this young guy walking, um, walking across, I think I, I was at, I think I was at the end of the road, and I stopped so that he could cross, and it's a good thing, because... He was walking, and he weren't looking where he was going, and he was talking to himself, like blatantly. He never had no headphones on. He was talking to himself, and he had his head down, and he evidently had a lot on his mind. You ever see people cross the road without looking? Back in the day, I used to, when I used to see people doing that, you know, I used to look at them, and I used to be like, boy, person talking to themselves, hmm. It's not good, you know. It's the first sign of madness, right? Now check it. I'm in the car. No one's sitting next to me. And I'm looking at this guy saying, huh, he's talking to himself. <laughs> I don't say that anymore. You know what I'm saying? Um, um, because I often catch myself doing what this young man was doing. And evidently he was troubled. I often catch, and I know, what it, I, know, I know what it feels like to be in that place when you are so consumed with something, you don't even see what's going on around you. You ever been there? You know what I'm saying? And in that place, I often catch myself talking to me. Can I get a witness? Now, this is a helpful introduction to our psalm. Although it isn't like any of the other ones that I just described, Here we have two voices, first person and then someone else speaking in the second and third person. Hopefully it will make sense in a minute. Watch. Would you read verse 1 and 2 with me? I'm going to put it on the screen just so that we're reading in the same translation. So verse 1 and 2, right? I will lift up my eyes to the hills. Notice, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? Right? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. First person. See that? Verse 3 gets deep. Let me read verse 3. He, third person singular, someone over there, will not let your, second person plural, foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. 
if you like you are verse 1 and 2, right? And you say that, verse 3 now responds, if you like, to you who said verse 1 and 2. He, speaking of God, will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. It's a little bit, it's a little bit. Where's Pastor E? I was hoping he was going to be in it for this bit, but anyway. Um, back in the day, I talked about the beginning that we used to do a rapping thing. We used to do this, we used to do this call and response, right? And it used to go, it was so simple, so basic. <laughs> Old school, isn't it? What can I say? We'd be like, when I say praise, you say God, right? So I say praise, praise. When I say praise, try a bit harder. When I say praise, you say God. Praise, praise, praise God. Just a little bit. Praise, a little bit more. Praise, just a little bit. That is what we come here for. That's what we used to do. That's one of the things that we used to do. He's not here to, I was going to be like, remember them days past the but isn't it? <laughs> In this psalm, why not just in the first person, like I, me, and my? I'll tell you why. Because I, and I suspect the same is true for you, I fear. And sometimes I can talk to myself and I can declare God's word to myself, verse 1 and 2. But other times I need someone to encourage me and affirm me in my faith, verses 3 to verse 8. So, I've got a little outline for this psalm. Hopefully, it's going to help us. Verse 1 and 2, we just talked about. I'm going to hopefully show you that God governs everything. Number 2, we're going to see that God guards every believer. Hey, verse 3 to 5. And then, last of all, we're going to see that God guards in every circumstance. Verse 6 to verse 8. So, starting with verse 1. God governs or he rules everything. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made what? Heaven and earth. This is what they call a psalm of ascent. A psalm of ascent. There are 15 of them. From Psalm 120 to Psalm 134. These are songs that are sung on the way up to Jerusalem. Songs of ascent, right? And <clears throat> it's funny because the psalm before this talks about a painful, divided world. You know, the Bible hangs together. It's funny because sometimes it's really clear to see where chapters roll into one another, but sometimes it's a bit difficult to see, um, at least with, re with regards to Psalm 120 through to Psalm 122. We see this trajectory, and basically, 120 is this divided, painful world in Psalm 120. And in Psalm 121 is the pilgrim traveling through this terrible world, but transitioning, hopefully, out of it. Right? And in Psalm 122, the pilgrim, the sojourner, arrives in this wonderful place. And <clears throat> the journey... Literally and practically speaking for an Israelite, at least during the times of, of Jesus, or even throughout the whole of the Old Testament, God's people would, would, would regularly, regularly travel to Jerusalem. Pilgrimage. 
Just like, you know, today you have Muslims that, I think it's one of the five pillars of Islam, have to travel to the Hajj, right, in Mecca, right? Well, it's nothing new. Um, it's something that they kind of stole from, um, from ancient Judaism, you know what I mean? And, 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 and pilgrims used to travel up to Jerusalem, which is where the temple was. And when they travel, particularly if they're coming from way up north, in, in like Samaria, or even further, like Galilee, which is where Jesus grew up, right? He wasn't born there, he was born in Bethlehem, but he grew up. They'd come and they'd have to travel long distances, and literally they'd be sometimes surrounded by mountains as they traveled. And you can't help but see them. I, I, put, I saw this picture and I thought, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you see this picture? Don't think too deeply. Oh, a lie. And I thought the fact that I never went to Austria, and I walked in the door and someone said to me, oh, we missed you at Austria. Was it Sam? Where is he? I was like, I was gutted I never went to Austria this year, but it's still time. <laughs> Neil, was, Neil was like, the whole time running up to Austria, Neil was like, Pastor Rob, you can still come to Austria, you know? There's still... I texted him the morning, I was like, I was like, Neil, Millie, you guys have a great time in Austria. He said, Rob, we're at the airport, there's still time. <laughs> um, I heard that you guys had a wonderful time in Austria, man. Praise the Lord. Now, <clears throat> the journey... It's funny, because you, you can't travel up to Jerusalem, because remember, Jerusalem is Mount Zion. And it's called up for a reason. It's up high. And in order to travel, you can't travel towards Mount Zion and not see mountains. Hence, if you like this cry in the Psalm of Ascent going up to Jerusalem, you can't help but looking at the hills. And it's funny because... I thought I understood this psalm years ago, and then I found out that I didn't understand it, and then I found out that my understanding still wasn't as clear as it could have been, should have been, and I probably learned later on, I still don't understand it fully. But back in the day when I was um, in the Pentecostal church, just as an attender, I wasn't even a Christian at that time, I used to hear kind of references um, to this, this chapter. You know what I'm saying? And I lift up my eyes to the hills. And the, and the inference was, I'm looking to the hills for my help. You know what I'm saying? But that's not what the psalm is saying. It's saying that you look to the hills, but can the hills help me? The hills of them can't help me. No, only the Lord can help me. So I lift up my eyes to the hill. Where does my help come from? It don't come from the hills. It comes from the Lord. Right? Amen. That was, I'd never understood that. A while ago, but then I came to understand that. But now I'm realizing that, wait a minute. Looking up to the hills and beyond them to help from God is true, but you can actually look to the hills, and the hills are a reference to God and his goodness. Listen to Psalm 123. It says, To you I lift up my eyes, O you who are enthroned in the heavens. That is the eyes on God. But then Psalm 125 says, as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forevermore. So sometimes we need to look beyond the hills to the Lord for our help. But the hills, at least in that context, were a picture of God surrounding and protecting his people. You know, what I'm you know sometimes um, when you live in these type of environments like when a storm comes and, and you live on the other side of the mountain, you're quite well protected. You know what I'm saying? As opposed to on the plain where you just get leveled. 
So the hills can be a picture of God's protection. And I'm, and I'm looking toward the place where God lives, Zion, his temple and his holy hill, but ultimately looking to the Lord. Now, <clears throat> the hills also can represent something else. The hills can represent the dangers of the pilgrimage or the journey, right? Sometimes we look to the hills on pilgrimage in fear. Like, I look at the hills and I'm like, oh my gosh, Lord God, help me. Why? Whenever we travel, whether it's by car or by airplane, you know what I'm saying? Apart from a teeny weeny bit of fear that I'm sure we all have, you're on the plane and the plane's about to take off, you're like, you just throw up a little quick Nehemiah prayer, like, Lord Jesus, please help us as we travel on this plane, amen. You know what I'm saying? Or you say, under your breath, or hold on to the person next to you and squeeze them a little bit tighter. Or my wife does anyway, hold me a little bit tighter. And because um, you're traveling, you're not sure what might happen. Even when you go out on a little journey, like you're going to Birmingham, my son's going back to uni in Manchester, and you know what I'm saying? We would always like pray, Lord, you know, just protect him on his journey up there. Because, you know, flat tires and whatnot, right? And there's always this possibility of something happening, right? But for these travelers, at least these ancient travelers, they could quite possibly die on their journey. I mean, it's that serious, you know and I mean, for ancient pilgrims, the terrain was the terrain was dangerous, you know and I mean, there were armed robbers potentially, and there could even be wild animals hiding in the hills. You know, you're like, oh my gosh, are we gonna make it beyond these hills alive? Can you see that? And it's and it's funny because it's also, there's also an illustration of of God's people, do you remember when they were in Egypt? It was a difficult place. And they came out of that place and they were journeying where to? Oh, you ain't going to help me, it's all right. The promised land. That's where they were journeying to, right? But remember, they had to go through the wilderness. And that was a difficult journey, right? And it's funny because it's, it's a little bit of a picture of our journey, their journey, travailing what could be a navigating difficult environments and challenges and tests in order to get to that place of promise where you can sit back and be like, <sighs> milk and honey, hey, rest and relaxation like trees and, you know what I'm saying, fruit and walled city with protection. The journey. And this first point, we want to appreciate that, listen, on this journey, we want to understand that the God who's going to help us to get from point A to point B is omnipotent. He created heaven, you heard it right, and earth. I mean, it'd be enough if he just said he created the earth, because the earth is incredible. But heaven and earth, it's like, you got the earth and it's amazing. How about beyond the earth? Like, you know, you got three heavens. The Bible describes, describes three heavens. You got, you got the first heaven, which is the sky, right? And then you got the second heaven, which is kind of beyond the stratosphere. And then you got the third heaven, which is the stellar heavens, which is where, like, the cosmos. So when you talk about heaven, like, that's what it's all in, 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 encompassing. And God made all of it. 
We, we, we still can't even count the stars. I mean, they're up to billions at this point. Numbers that we can't even really fully get the arms of our mind around, right? And God created heaven and earth and everything in between. And it's funny because this is, this is one of those phrases. It's like, a, it's, like, it's like Prince Charles, he doesn't, but he owns everything from Land's End to John O'Groats. If I said that, right, Land's End to John, you know that that means everything in England at least. Right, because Lansen is the furthest point on the south coast, and John O'Groats is the furthest point north. Everything in between. It's, a, it's, it's like a phrase, Lansen to John O'Groats. Every time you see it in the Bible, take note. When you see heaven and earth, because it's all in, in, encompassing, it's everything from one point to, from the furthest point that we can fully kind of grasp to the furthest point that we can. Do you get my point? Everything is the high stuff and the low stuff, the big stuff and the small stuff, everything. It's a phrase that's used during times in the Bible of great pressure. King Hezekiah was in a, was in a place where he was about to be attacked by his arch enemy called the Assyrians, and they were formidable, and he was terrified. And you hear him cry out in Isaiah 37, he says, and Hezekiah prayed to the Lord. And he says, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, who is enthroned above the cherubim, you are the God, you alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth. Notice, and you made heaven and earth. On that basis, please incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. And it's funny because he says this because sometimes... It seems like the Lord ain't hearing. And sometimes it seems like the Lord, Lord you, are you really seeing what I'm going on right here? Right? Hear and see and hear all the words of Sennacherib, this guy who's come to mock, sent to mock, not us, but you, the living God. Truly, O Lord, the kings of Assyria, they've laid waste all the nations and their lands, right? And, and have cast their gods into the fire all their gods of the, the nations that they've leveled. For they, for they are no gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone, therefore they were destroyed. Verse 20, so now, O Lord, our God, save us from his hand that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone are the Lord. You see the reference to heaven and earth, right? In Jeremiah 32 is the same thing. Ah, oh, Lord God, it is you who made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm. Is there anything that's too hard for you? Remember the song from that? Ah, oh Lord God, thou hast made the heavens and the earth. But you don't know that one. <laughs> by thy great power. So how come you ain't singing it with me then? <laughs> Nothing is too difficult for thee. You know that song? Nothing is too difficult for thee. You're a great and mighty God. Great in counsel and mighty indeed. Nothing, nothing, absolutely, amen, right, right. Heaven, when you see heaven and earth, be reminded that the God who did that is capable of, is not, not capable of anything, <laughs> apart from lying, or it's one of the only things he can't do. So God governs, be encouraged, God is in control, God governs every God rules everything the second point God guards every believer 
This is very comforting to the individual who may be struggling, facing difficulty on this journey, facing tragedy or maybe even death. If verse 1 and 2 are your confession, right? You are right in your confession. And let me add to your declaration of faith by way of further encouragement. So you guys said verse 1 and 2. Now hear the other voice that comes back at you to further encourage you, right? Verse 3. He will not let your foot be moved, you know. You're right. He's the God who made the heavens and the earth and there ain't nothing that's too difficult for him. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel, his people, will neither slumber nor sleep. That means he ain't going to drift off. Sleeping is one thing. Like when someone's out, like when my wife sleeps and she's in deep sleep, she might as well be in a coma. You know what I'm saying? And I'm saying that's one thing. But it's another thing, you know, when someone's slumbering. You know, you're talking to someone. You're trying to have some big, deep conversation with them. And you sit there and you just see their eyelids starting to get heavy. And they start looking at you. But they're not look, looking at you. They're looking through you, you know what I'm saying? And they're going. Where's Pastor E? <laughs> and you know at that point, they're not listening to you. They're not paying you no mind. And sometimes you ever feel like you're speaking to the Lord and it's like, like, Lord... Well, he doesn't, he's not in a coma, and he's not even slumbering. His eyelids are not even getting heavy. Verse 5, the Lord is your keeper. Imagine if, if he did, and he's supposed to be your keeper. You know what I'm saying? The Lord is your shade at your right hand. Sleeping on the job, you know what I mean? What's that all about? It's like guard dogs with no teeth. Look, I'm going to list the things that came up in these verses, right? Now, He won't let your foot slip. He doesn't slumber nor sleep. He's with us, accompanies us. He's the shade or the shadow. You know know your shadow. You know you can only go so far from your shadow. (laughs) It just, it won't won't leave you alone, right? Well, that's that's what this is, that's how close the Lord is. He's he's your shadow at your right hand, depending on where the sun is, right? And, and dangers seen and unseen, real and imaginary, God is going to protect you from. Now, you might see that list and you'd be like, but wait a minute, Pastor Rob, Pastor Rob on a level. Like, if, I'm, if I honestly respond to that. Now, I'm not sure if you guys are really listening to me or you're slumbering. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? But let me try and get your attention and really ask you to think. You know what I'm saying? Look at that list. Now, what would be your response, you know what I'm saying, to this list based on the fact you should be experiencing this? Your foot ain't supposed to be slipping. God ain't slumbering or sleeping. He's with you. He won't leave you. He's 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 by your your shadow and your right hand. Dangerous seen and unseen, real and imaginary, God's going to protect you from. You might say, I think, maybe, if I'm thinking for you. You might say, but wait a minute, Pastor Robin, no, my foot has actually slipped. I've made terrible mistakes. I've, I've got drunk. I've had sex outside of marriage. I've had a, I've had a baby out of wedlock. Like, wait a minute, it, uh, this, this, I'm not sure I really relate to what you're saying, 
I've committed adultery. I've I've jumped out my car in road rage and swung for a brother. You'd be like, wait a minute. B. God doesn't slumber or sleep. I feel like I've cried out to God. Real loud. And it seems to me like he's sleeping, if I'm honest. He's sleeping on my prayers. The heavens are like brass. It's as if God doesn't hear me when I pray. I've cried out passionately, but not just passionately. I've cried out not just periodically. I've cried out night and day to the Lord. I've, I've cried out for weeks. I've cried out for months. I've even cried out for years. And I've had no response from God. I'm not sure I really understand what you're saying. Look at C. God is with us. God God is with me. Sometimes it don't feel like God is in the same country, let alone in the same room with me. I feel abandoned. I mean, where was God when my mom died? Where was God when my dad died? Where was, where was God when my wife died, or my husband died, or when my child died, or when my sibling died? Where was God when my best friend died? God is with me. It's like, where is God when I feel lonely? I'm single. I've got no husband. I'm single. I, I have no wife. And I'm in my 30s. I'm in my 40s. I'm in my 50s. And my clock has either is or is about to stop ticking as a female. I'm not going to be able to have children. Like, I don't feel like the Lord is with me. I'm in a difficult marriage. I know I made the commitment to get into it. No one ever wrestled me or strong-armed, stiff-armed me into this. I made a decision at the altar, but now I find myself in a predicament I have to get out of. If God was with me, why isn't he helping me? Where was God when when my husband left me? Where was God when my wife walked out on me? The wife that I've loved for, for, for a decade, for 20 years, my wife, has walked, my wife has walked out on me. Where's God when my, my son went to prison? Where's, where, where was God when I had a miscarriage? I'm not sure I can relate to this psalm. I've been affected by crime. I've been a victim of crime. I've been raped. I've been burgled. I've had a family member murdered. 
How about D? <sighs> Dangerous seen and unseen. I'm, Pastor Rob, I'm, in a, I'm tormented in my job. I'm tormented in my flat, in this block, in this council estate. Just for me to get to my house is a mission. And then tomorrow I have to leave and come back to this. I'm tormented in my mind. I've been sick. I'm currently sick. I'm barren. I'm not able to have children. And, you, and God is near to me. God is with me. You'd be like, Pastor Rob, Psalm 21, it, it's not true for me. Not in my experience. Now, the phrase at the end of verse 2 controls everything in verse 3 to 5. The phrase at the end of verse 2 controls everything in verse 3 and verse 5. And what was that phrase again? Everything in heaven and earth. Not just earth, but also heaven. Remember, we're on a pilgrimage, right? Essentially, from where to where. Now, we're in Egypt, metaphorically speaking, and we're going to the promised land, metaphorically speaking, and we're going through the wilderness, metaphorically speaking. But where are we literally going from and to? We're going from earth to heaven, aren't we, Pastor Bertram? See, the journey doesn't end here. We have to see this in the context of eternity. Think about the most famous pilgrim of all time. Who am I referring to? The Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus. Imagine, Jesus, right? This is, these are just a few things. Jesus born a quote-unquote illegitimate child. Hey, talk about stigma. Like, can't even talk. And I'm already stigmatized. Oh, here comes Jesus. <laughs> I nearly said the B word. Is it a swear word? I don't know. But you know I'm saying, here comes that illegitimate son of, he ain't, even, he ain't got a dad. Who is, is Joseph his dad? I don't know. Jesus is from a poor family. Is it helpful to remind you that Jesus was single for the whole of his life? Jesus never got married. How many of you know Jesus had a friend who died to the point where when Jesus went to his funeral, he wept bitterly. I mean, Jesus has lost people. He knows what that feels like. Jesus was abandoned by his friends at the moment of his greatest need. Remember that. Jesus was abandoned. It's one thing getting abandoned by your friends who can, quote unquote, and can't help you. But Jesus was abandoned by God. Literally, abandoned by the Father. Right? Albeit momentarily. Jesus was accused falsely. Jesus was beaten publicly like a criminal. 
And then Jesus, he was condemned to death by execution, crucifixion. Not just any kind of execution, crucifixion. Do you think Jesus could have felt like, like he couldn't relate to Psalm 121? But he sang it. Just like he sang Psalm 22. Just like he would have sung Psalm 16. Remember Psalm 22? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Bulls have surrounded me. Great bulls of Bashan. And I'm saying, it's like they pierced my hands and my feet. Cast lots for my garments. Psalm, that's, Psalm 20, that's Psalm 22. I mean, if you know, not every single song is, I'm so happy, da, 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 da. right? Not every song is like that. Thank God for the songs that are like that. The Lord is my shepherd, hallelujah. But there are some sad songs. And we need these sad songs because they reflect reality. Amen. Jesus would have sung Psalm 16. Listen to Psalm 16. 16. Verse 29. <clears throat> no, I haven't got Psalm 16. My bad, I didn't put it up. Let me go back. I'll read Psalm 16 to you. Verse 1, to, verse 1 and in verse 8 to 10, it says, Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. Now, why would you say that if you're not going through a difficult time? Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I've set the Lord always before me. You see, this is whether you see him or you don't see him. But this is trusting that he's faithful to his commitment. That is to never leave you or forsake you. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. I shall not be moved. Therefore, on the basis of that truth, my heart is glad. And my whole being rejoices, if you like, by faith. My flesh also dwells secure. Now listen to verse 10. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, which is the grave. Or let your Holy One see corruption. You see, this is someone who has a perspective that goes beyond earth, that goes beyond the natural, right? Can you see how the psalmist believes that life doesn't just exist in the context of the visible realm? Not just earth, but also heaven. Now, Peter quotes this psalm. This is, this is supposed to be Acts chapter 2. This is where Peter quotes that same psalm about the Lord Jesus. And listen to what Peter says. He says, brothers, this is when he's preaching that, that incredible first sermon at the beginning, at the, 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 at, the, at, the, at the infancy of the church, right? He says, brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David, that, who is the writer of the psalm, that the patriarch David, that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would, he, he would set one of his descendants on his throne, speaking about Jesus, right, the son of David, verse 31, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. Why? Because 
Verse 32, this Jesus God raised up. You see, the story didn't end at the grave. This Jesus God raised up, and, and of that we are all witnesses. Therefore, being exalted at the right hand of God in heaven, if you like, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ this Jesus whom you crucified. It didn't end when he died. Jesus. See, some wrongly interpret the scriptures and say stuff like, believers should never be sick. They say stuff like, believers, you're a believer, you shouldn't fear. Wow. Evidently not reading their Bibles, right? Believers should never be poor, but you should be rich. And drive a Mercs, right? Whatever. You see, as if tough times are not going to come. As if Christians are not supposed to experience any kind of difficulty. You see, on the contrary, in this earthly life, you're pretty much guaranteed drama. Yo. You know what I mean? It's like Acts chapter 14 verse 22 says, this is Paul speaking to some of the believers. He says, strengthening the souls of the disciples. Notice, encouraging them to continue. in the. Now, why would you have to encourage someone to continue? Because it's hard and they're struggling and it's difficult. And he says, look, and saying that through many. Why did he have to use that adjective? Why do you have to describe it like that? And then on top of that, say, tribulations. Now, am I reading that wrong? Through many tribulations, we must enter in the kingdom of God. First Peter chapter 4, verse 12 and 13 says something similar. It says, beloved. <laughs> I love how that starts, you know. Beloved, you know. This is to believers. Do not be surprised at the fiery trial. Why not just trial? fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. I mean, the text actually literally contradicts this health and wealth prosperity madness. Literally contradicts it. But, but rejoice in so far as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice. Now, it doesn't stop at the sufferings. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord, right? That you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Luke 21 says, You will be delivered up, says Jesus to his disciples, even by your parents and brothers and relatives and friends. And some of you, they will put to death. You will be hated by all for my name's sake. But not a hair of your head will perish. Wait a minute. Some of them got their heads chopped off. Or what, what the hairs on their chopped off head are still there. It's like, like what's the deal? You know what I mean? But by your endurance, you will gain your lives. 
But after I'm dead, yes, because it's not just about this natural existence. Another translation helpfully says, that was the ESV, this is the New Century Version, says, even your parents, brothers, relatives, friends will turn against you and they will kill some of you. All people will hate you because you follow me, but none of these things can really harm you. By continuing, in, by continuing to have faith, you will save your lives. Naturally, no. Eternally, spiritually. Can you see the difference between having any earthly limited perspective compared to having a heavenly one? See, and that's how we hold intention the difficulties that we experience. And I'm saying, there's no contradiction. Ah, oh, this Bible's a madness. You know, some people will walk away from the faith because they're going through difficulty, because they're going through challenges, because things are not going the way they want them to go. And they walk away. That's because they don't understand the, the, the perspective needs to be one of earth and heaven. This life and also the next. The journey doesn't begin at birth and end at physical death. The journey begins at birth and then has its conclusion beyond death. At which point, we as believers will be able to look back and confess with conviction, ultimately, he will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel, he who keeps his people will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. See, and it's good news, isn't it? It's good news. We're traveling from earth to heaven. It's good news that Jesus traveled from heaven to earth, right? And braved the treacherous journey for him. Obviously, that ended up in his death, meeting with danger and ultimately death in order to bring us back home with him. And why did he die? Jason mentioned it earlier. For our sins. Jesus' contribution to fixing the problem. Which links us to our third and final point. God guards us in every circumstance. This is just a short point. He says, verse 6 to 8. Verse 6, the sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. If you take a step back, what you're looking at is three pairs of opposites. Again, I'll try and help us just by putting it up like this. This is what we just read in those three verses. Three pairs of opposites, right? God is going to guard us under every, in every circumstance, day and night. In your going out and in your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. You see that? All times, all places, in all circumstances. Day and night. Nothing's going to affect you during the daytime or the nighttime. Now people think about this literally. They think about it metaphorically. Literally, the sun is dangerous. You can get sunstroke. You can get dehydration. You can get skin disease right from the, the sun. The sun is dangerous if you're expo overexposed. The moon is also quote-unquote dangerous. You ever heard of being moonstruck? Um, you know the word lunar, right? You hear that, and what do you think of? 
Ho right, hopefully, before we get there, Bertram, you're too fast, right? <laughs> you're supposed, when you hear lunar, you're supposed to think of the moon. Lunar eclipse. Lunar module landing. Moon, right? That's what we're supposed to think of. But you're right, Bertram. The word lunacy is where we get that word lunar from. You know what I'm saying? And historically, people were under the impression that overexposure to the moon would cause epilepsy. I'm saying, and um, with reference to at least either what was believed or what is true, there's a literal reference to the sun and the moon being dangerous. Then you have this metaphorical meaning, like when you talk about the sun, really you're talking about daytime, metaphorically. You know what I'm saying? Walking around in the daytime, I said in London, even can be scary. Yep, like. I don't know if it's just me. Maybe I'm going to embarrass myself now. But sometimes, you know, when I'm walking home, true, I drive a lot of the time. Well, I used to drive a lot. Helen drives the car most of the time. I'm on the trainer on my bicycle. Hey, you know, I got back on my bike. For those of you that know, wow. But apart from that, when I'm not on my bike and I'm not driving, sometimes when I get home, I live in Sydney. Now, my, my road is quite a long road. When I jump off the train, especially when it's late at night, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, sometimes 1 o'clock in the morning for one reason or another, right? And I'm walking home. Sometimes I've got that long stretch to my house and I'm not lying, right? I'm looking over my shoulder. Sometimes I cross the road because I'm trying to be smart or, you know what I'm saying, I, I, I walk a little bit faster than I would normally or, you know what I mean? I'm like, I've got my headphones in but it's not on because I'm listening to every single creak and crack. And uh, is, is, is it just me? You know what I mean? I just, London is a dangerous... Cars go past slowly. You're just like, okay, it's my time. Hey, <laughs> Lord, hallelujah, I'm coming home. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm like... You know what I'm saying? And, and um, God's promise is that he will keep us in the daytime and in the nighttime. Literally, metaphorically. And then you've got this whole going out and coming in. When you leave your house, and when you come back to your house, and you're going out and you're coming in, when another coming, going out, when you're born, and you traverse this whole life, and then you die, when you come into this world and you go out, and you're going out and then you're coming in. And, and it's funny because you can live this life and not be really concerned about God until it gets close to that time when you're going to die. Only the fool will at that point say there is no God. A lie? It may not be now, but at some point in time, we are confronted with our frailty, with our humanity. Death is an enemy that wrestles every one of us to the ground. And I mean, and it's something we need to be concerned about. But God's promise is even death can be conquered, can be overcome. Coming out, going out, and going out, and coming in, and then from this time forth, and for how long? Forevermore. See, there it is again, going back to this eternal, this eternal perspective of God's protection, eventually and ultimately, His protection. Can you see that as we journey through this life, as you progress through this life as a pilgrim, ultimately the Lord will get you home in one piece. Amen. But we can also expect that sometimes God will meet us in this life by his grace. Like my friend Carl, he thought he was going to die. 
And he'll tell you, maybe one day we'll get him to come and preach and share his testimony. When he knew he got cancer, he was so, con he wasn't just concerned about dying, which he was. He was concerned about his wife, who he was leaving, and his daughter. And at that point, his job, everything, just everything. Every, and then he, he, he confessed, he said, Rob, I don't even know if I'm actually saved. I'm, one, I'm worried that I'm, that I'm not even going to get to heaven. I'm t this is the reality, you know I'm saying, of being confronted with the challenge of something like cancer. Thank God he's through it and, you know, I let him share his testimony one day. But sometimes, like in his case, the Lord answers the prayer. And, the Lord, and, he's, and, and, he's, and he, there's no trace of cancer in his system. For the past year and a half, I believe, he's got to have regular checkups. And I'm saying, now, it doesn't happen all the time. Helen's, my, my wife's daddy died of cancer. Um, I don't know if Jide's in here. Jide is a brother who's a member of our church. And I'm saying, and his wife, you go back four years, they were here sitting like you with their two daughters. But since that time, she passed away. Cancer. I mean, but you, she ain't got no cancer now. Funke ain't got no cancer now. She's at home with the Lord, right? Yeah. Ultimately, the Lord will get us home in one piece. But we can, we can sometimes, by his grace, according to his will, experience mercy, experience healing, experience protection divinely. Sometimes we get to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Amen. So, in conclusion, so Psalms are songs. And the first line of, song, a first line of a song always gives it away. <laughs> I was born and raised in Leytonstone, that's East London. <laughs> no woman, no cry. First line of the song. You hear that, you know the song, right? Don't worry about a thing. Right? You hear the first line. Well, when you think about Psalm 121, think about God's protection for you, one of his people. Remember that God governs everything. He's omnipotent. He created the heaven and the earth. He's the God who guards every believer, personally, individually. And remember that God guards us in every circumstance. Verse 8 says, the Lord will keep you from all harm. For how long? Eternally. Um, now, I haven't got the sound set up, so I'm going to invite the team to come join me just before I pray. And I hope we're going to sing a particular song. I won't embarrass myself again like I did earlier, so if it's not that song, I'll just act like it is. <laughs> Would you pray with me as these guys are coming up? Let's pray. <clears throat> Verse 1 and 2 says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Father, thank you. Sometimes we believe that and we feel rock solid 
We feel like, Lord, we're immovable. Like nothing can phase us, nothing can move us, Lord. We believe that's true. But that, Lord, that there are those times, Lord, if we're honest, we struggle. Our faith is shaky. Lord, we, we don't believe that you're good. And that because of our circumstances. And like Peter, Lord, when we look at our circumstances, sometimes even looking for hope in our circumstances, we begin to sink. Because here come the wind and the waves. Even in a, even, even in a situation that initially started off looking good, the sun was shining, but all of a sudden here come the clouds and oh my gosh, here comes a storm like a typhoon, like a, like a tsunami that's going to completely overwhelm us, overwhelm me. And yet, Lord, in those times, nothing has changed about you. Nothing has changed. It's just me that's changed and I'm, and I'm weak. And my faith is, Lord, I'm in that place where I'm struggling. Thank you. That your promise to me, your promise to your people. Is that you're omnipotent. Your promise to us is that you will guard us. Your promise to us is you are the God who protects us in every circumstance. Ultimately bringing us home. Lord, we know that... the. With reference to the departure and the, and the journey, we know it's going to be treacherous, but we know eventually you're going to get us home safely. Lord, help us in those times when we're struggling. Help someone today, Lord, who may be in that place where they don't feel like you're near, where they don't feel like you hear, and they can't see any light at the end of the tunnel, Lord. You're the same God. You've not changed. Help them to put their trust in you. Help us to put our trust in you, Lord. You who keep Israel, you who keep your people, you neither slumber nor sleep. You're fully aware of our circumstances. I thank you, Lord, that he who is within us is greater. It's a verse I haven't heard for a long time. He who is within us, he who is, in, is within me, is greater than he who is in the world. Lord, help us to be patient in our adversity. Help us to be grateful in our prosperity, if we have it. And help us, Lord, to be hopeful in expectancy. Not, not just in this life, but beyond this life. That way we'll never be frustrated. We'll never be put to shame. Thank you, Lord, that you protect your people throughout this journey. Amen. Join us next time for more of God's truth to transform your reality.